Last week, we had a spicy episode on submission. And one of the biggest questions we've received is what does submission in marriage as a strong woman look like? What if I'm not quiet and I have strong opinions? What if the guy I marry is more laid back than I am? To our strong female personalities out there, we hear you. And we hope to answer your question in this episode. In last week's episode, we set a biblical framework for what submission is and what it isn't. So if you haven't listened to that episode, hit pause and go back and listen to that episode first. Submission is a hot topic, but it is a biblical one. It is mentioned a few different times in the New Testament. It's mentioned in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. It's mentioned in Colossians 3, 18 and 19. It's mentioned in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, and also in Titus 2, 3 through 5. And it's interesting because most of these passages, when it talks about submission for the wife, it talks about headship and loving and sacrifice for the husband. So it is a biblical concept and it's something that we need to wrestle with and land on. And so we're excited to be able to continue the discussion that we started last week. Yes. Well, today we've brought on a strong woman and a laid back guy who together make probably the smartest couple that I know. And they also happen to be my sister and my brother-in-law. So welcome to the podcast, Becca and Rob. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you. Yay. It's great to be here. We are so excited that you're here. Y'all are the perfect couple for this. So thank you for taking time out, um, getting a babysitter, and joining our discussion. I would love for our listeners to really get to know you. Could you share a little bit about yourselves? Yes, definitely. So as you already mentioned, we are Rob and Becca Hall, and and we really are. We're so excited to to be here with you all on the podcast. Uh, we have been married for a little over 10 years, and we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We met and we started dating at the University of Tulsa when we were both students, and and then we got married the year after Becca graduated from college back in 2012. Uh, and uh, as far as our careers, what we're doing now, we spent several years working together for a college ministry, and then for a while, I was an engineer at a Fortune 500 energy company here in Tulsa, and uh, and now we actually both own our own businesses. And I do test prep tutoring for high schoolers, helping them to prepare for the ACT, SAT, and PSAT. And I own a children's consignment sale. It's kind of a a pop-up store that allows families to sell their gently used children's items. So that's really fun. And we have three little kids. So we have Lana, who's five, Brooks, who is three, and Shepard, who is 18 months old. So it is chaotic over at our house, but we are having such a fun time. And, you know, I've heard this generation values kind of authenticity and realness. So just something real for us is that we are out here in our car recording this podcast while a babysitter watches the kids inside our house. So yes, we have our babysitter. We're out in our car, just doing what we got to do. So it's, <laughs> it's fun. Thanks for making it happen. Rob, you are probably the smartest person that I know. For those of you who don't know Rob as well as I do, Rob got a 36 on his ACT. 
He was a National Merit Scholar. He got a scholarship to the University of Tulsa, where he studied mechanical engineering, and he graduated with a 3.95 GPA. But I'm not done. If that wasn't enough, Rob, I think you're like maybe 5'11". Yeah. And Is that right? Okay. And he can dunk. Rob can dunk a basketball. So, Rob, you might be a laid-back guy, but your resume is not laid-back. So did I miss anything? Did I pretty much cover it? No, that's, that's good. So yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of my, my background. And then uh, on the personality front, you know, I, like, like you said, I definitely do fall into the more laid back category, which sometimes people are a little bit surprised about that. If I tell them that I am an introvert, but I really am. I definitely uh, am more introverted. And, and one time I took a personality test type thing and, and the label that it gave for me, which I thought was pretty accurate was that I am a peace seeker. Uh, and so what that kind of means is that a, a core value of mine is just this desire to kind of go with the flow, be undisturbed, um, which has its positive qualities, but it can also lead to a tendency, you know, to, to kind of want to run from things or avoid decisions that maybe I should be leaning into. Well, Rob, what qualities were you looking for in a spouse when you were a single guy? Like what, what, what were you looking for? Yeah, first and foremost, I was definitely looking for someone who was deeply committed to, to following Jesus, to making him known in the world. Um, and I was also looking for somebody that I could trust, who had a, a track record of walking with God, both through the ups and the downs of life and in different seasons. Um, I was also looking for somebody who was smart and fun and, and outgoing because I knew I needed somebody to help balance me out a little bit. Um, uh, a girl who was modest, who was athletic, who was a leader. And really, who's just an, an overall babe. And, and Becca definitely fit that description to a T. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> she is a babe. <laughs> Becca, you have an impressive resume yourself. You are a National Merit Scholar also, and you got a full ride to TU. You walked on to the TU soccer team, and you lettered as a freshman. And you were in a sorority at the same time. Shout out, Kayo. Help our listeners get to know you a little bit more as a single girl. I mean, what were you like and what qualities were kind of you looking for in a guy? Yes. Yeah, so that is, that is, that is me. And I did the the soccer team and the sorority for one semester. And then I walked off the soccer team and yes, I had a lot of fun in college. I was very driven and uh, you could say I was self-assured and confident. So meaning I really did not second guess myself. I wanted to be successful and important. And most of my life experiences told me that I could achieve that. Uh, I loved having fun, loved being involved in my campus ministry. I participated in peer reviewed research. So I worked hard to make good grades. Um, definitely kind of this achiever person. And I was not pining away to be married. I, I wanted to be married eventually, but it was just excited to do life, kind of just God and me. And, you know, just as far as a, a guy I was looking for to marry, I am really thankful that I had the upbringing in a great biblical church. And Leah, you know, we had godly parents who were coaching us along the way for what qualities to look for in a guy. And so I had received advice along the way to have kind of that written out quality of non-negotiables in a spouse, you know, those things you would not budge on. And then also the negotiables, the things that would kind of be a bonus. And um, just some of my non-negotiables on that list, you know, the, the man needed to have a track record of following God. And I was looking for a guy who was a leader and demonstrated leadership. Um, we needed to match up pretty well intellectually. Like, that's just what I, I needed and wanted. And I wanted to be able to respect him uh, kind of on that same 
train of thought of respect on our first date rob like very nicely just smoked me in tennis <laughs> so like six one six oh just like nicely really beat me and so I, bad i will say she claims it was six one six oh it was actually six oh six no hey and becca you no. you played on the tennis team in high school right so yes. this isn't yes. like so I... <laughs> oh. he beat you at something you're good at yes and i hated it but i also like kind of liked it if that makes sense like it's just like okay okay you know so basically it just kind of like added into the respect factor for Rob. And yeah, I just really admired the way that Rob lived his life and was was following God. Well, I love it. I mean, Becca, you are a confident, self-assured, you're a good leader. You know, Rob, you. would you describe Becca as a strong woman? I would. Yeah, definitely. I would as well. Yeah, Becca, she, I mean, she really is. She's strong in a variety of ways, but even specifically when we're talking about her personality, yes, I would say that that she's a strong woman with a strong personality. And and here's what I mean by that. Becca, she she really is. She's decisive. She's more opinionated. She's driven. She's very competent, very intelligent, very capable. Uh, and it's, it's funny. I actually remember the very first time that I ever met Becca was at an event during orientation week of the on the first night of her freshman year of college, which was my senior year. And she was standing in a group with some of her freshman soccer teammates. And I was kind of going around meeting people. And I, I met Becca and we talked for a little bit. And we didn't spend a long time talking or anything. But I do remember meeting her. And the one impression of her that I walked away with that night was that I thought she was really confident for a freshman, especially. <laughs> so, yeah, she's always been a, uh, a, a very confident and strong personality. So, Rob, were you attracted to that? It sounds like you were. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, we didn't start dating for another few years, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I like being married to, to someone that I would consider like a strong woman and a, and a good leader. Yes. And just so to kind of go along with that, when Rob and I were trying to kind of best describe, you know, my personality, uh, we felt like the, the Myers-Briggs personality test is a helpful description of who we are. You know, those personality tests can kind of be helpful in kind of summarizing some of those things. And so on the Myers-Briggs, personality test rob is an istp and the nickname for that personality is the virtuoso so you can kind of go and google all that so on the personality test i am an entj and the nickname for an enta in entj is get ready for it it's the commander oh (laughs) okay there it is it's just, it is what it is. So you, you can go read it and it really is a pretty good description of who I am. And I, and I have mixed feelings about it, uh, just to be honest. So, you know, I'm the type of person who would unintentionally hurt your feelings by saying something pretty straightforward. And thankfully I have more of an awareness of that, um, now in my life. But so, yeah, those words like opinionated, driven, decisive, those are, those are words that would kind of describe me. Yes. Our parents raised some strong women. Uh, me and Becca were definitely opinionated and driven. And I think we've both grown in, in some good ways over the years, just in self-awareness. But when you were single, how did each of you view the idea of submission? Was, was that a positive thing or a negative thing? 
honestly, I think I was pretty fortunate to have a decently clear view of, of submission going into marriage. And and that was the case because I had a clear view of headship as well, which, as Kim kind of talked about, is the, the biblical counterpart to submission. And and those views for me had really been shaped and clarified during the, the about five years or so from the time I started following Christ my sophomore year of college to the time that Becca and I started dating. Uh, and one specific thing that was really helpful to me during that time was reading a book that's called Recovering Bit. Sorry, recovering biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, and that book it paints a very clear and honestly attractive picture of of what the harmonious and complementary roles of husband and wife were designed by God to look like. And and one of the things that that book talks about is is uh, kind of the the why. Why did God set marriage up this way? Was it was it arbitrary? Um, and the answer to that is is no, it's not arbitrary. The the reason that God created these roles within a marriage is that. The marriage is supposed to be a living illustration of the gospel, where the the husband is supposed to illustrate and exemplify the way that Jesus sacrificially loves and leads the church, and where the wife is supposed to illustrate and exemplify the way that the the church joyfully and willingly submits to Jesus's servant leadership. And so I understood that if I got married, God, he was calling me to step into that leadership role with my wife and with my family and to model my leadership after Jesus's sacrificial servant leadership. And, and I knew that the headship that's described in Ephesians 5 and some of those other passages uh, that the husband is called to within the marriage, is, it's not a list of rights to be claimed. It's much more a list of some pretty heavy responsibilities to be shouldered. You know, responsibilities like laying my life down for Becca up to and including literally dying for her, you know, if, if our family gets in some crazy situation where we don't have enough food to eat, you know, I'm going to be the first one going hungry, not her. And if we hear a noise in the night, I'm the one going downstairs with the golf club to check it out, not her. You know, and so <laughs> I like uh, that. So, <laughs> I like what you're saying, Rob. Yeah, you're, yeah. You, you'll go hungry first and you're going to go down and check out the scary noises. I didn't really know the Bible talked about that or extended to that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think Becca would be, uh, she wouldn't be very excited if I was like, Hey babe, can you go check that out for me here? Take this. <laughs> I just cuddle up under the, under the blankets or something. So, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, I'm called to, to lay down my life for her and, and not just in life or death situations, but you know, it's my role as, as the head of our marriage to lovingly sacrifice my own wants and desires for the good of Becca and for the good of our family and to consider her more important than myself, like Philippians two talks about and, and to look to her interests above my own. And, and all of that, it, it really does come from the Bible. Ephesians 5.25 talks about husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so I think a common misconception about submission is, is that it, it means that the husband just gets to do what he wants all the time, or that he just gets his way. And, and really, that's not that's not it at all. That's not what submission is all about. It's not like whenever we're deciding what restaurant we want to go to for the night, you know, Becca's like, I want tacos and I'm like, I want burgers. And that means we're definitely getting burgers because I'm the husband. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's not how it's power play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not about the husband being able to just butt in and, and get his way all the time. What it's about is it's about the husband being able to step in and step up in the midst of chaos or confusion or disagreement and in that moment to be able to make a decision that he firmly believes is in the best interest of his wife and his family so so i do feel like i was i was fortunate to have a pretty clear and pretty positive picture of headship and submission and and how god did design them to complement each other and and that the end result is supposed to be a unified harmonious partnership in marriage 
Yeah, so I grew up in a biblical church, you know, Leah, we both did, and I was familiar with this idea of headship and submission into marriage, and I'd really seen it modeled well, Uh, but I remember going to a relationships conference with my college ministry and really hated hearing about this idea of submission in marriage. And I remember being kind of surprised that it was so distasteful to me uh, because I had really only had positive experiences with men. You know, my dad believed in me, believed in us, Leah, and championed us. I had sports coaches who believed in me, like male sports coaches. I think that I think that some of my friends, you know, are working to recover from some deep wounds associated with men in their life, like maybe their dad devaluing them as a woman. So then they're kind of swinging to more of this kind of empowered, like feminist, either like man hating or man distrusting type mindset. You know, like I want to show the world that I can do everything a man can do. And, you know, now they're kind of trying to come away from that and trust God and trust men. And so I understand, I understand kind of that, that journey, but you know, that wasn't me. Um, I felt pretty confident in who I was as a woman and really appreciated all the men in my life. And so again, I was just kind of surprised that this, um, this idea was so distasteful to me. And kind of when I reflected, my thoughts were more like, I am a leader. So why would someone being a man make them a better leader than me? So just when I thought about it, I realized that I was approaching this idea of a man being the leader in a marriage, kind of thinking that it's this awarded role based on capability or competency. But if you if you read the Bible in these instances, you'll see this role. It is a calling on men like he has created and called men to be leaders in their marriage. And so this idea, it comes back to my trust of God in his word. So, you know, some people like to try to ignore or take away parts of the Bible that are hard or inconvenient, like Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers, he like literally took a knife and like carved out the parts of the Bible that he didn't like, you know. And I think that many people who would call themselves Christians, you know, try to do the same thing and try to ignore, you know, these passages or dispute them. Um, And just kind of where I was at, I wanted to trust God's word. And so the question became, you know, do I trust God, my creator and my father and his word and his wisdom and goodness to me that asks me to take a submissive role in my marriage? Like, I know that God loves me and I know I can trust him with my life and with my calling in life. Like, I can be a leader in this world and I, I am the leader of my business, but Rob is called to be the leader in our marriage. So, and I'm called to be the helper and the an advisor and my role and status is not diminished by that role. My value is not diminished. You know, I think about the Trinity, Jesus submitted to God, the father, and he went to the cross and he died. And Jesus was not diminished because he obeyed and submitted in that moment. And so just by the time that Rob and I got engaged, I had really softened my heart on this topic. And I, I wanted Rob to have that headship role in our marriage. Wow. Thanks, you guys, just kind of for sharing a little bit of your own process in, you know, the whole idea of biblical submission and and headship. And it's just so neat to kind of get a peek in behind the scenes because I know a lot of our listeners can relate and are probably they might even be in process themselves. One question I have, um, in addition to what we've talked about, is was this something that you guys talked about together, like beforehand, before you got married? 
Yeah, yeah, we actually did. And and not only did we did we talk about them and and kind of the 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 roles that each of us would be playing in the marriage, we actually included them in our marriage vows. Uh, so we we wrote our own vows as part of our our wedding ceremony. And the second line in each of our wedding vows uh, actually talked about how how I was committing to lovingly lead uh, Becca and to sacrifice myself for her, and how she was committing to follow my leadership as I followed the leadership of Christ. And so, yeah, it was something that we had addressed and and we kind of knew we were on the same page on. That's awesome that you guys talked about those things before you got married. And I also wanted to circle back and just say, Becca, thank you for sharing that thought that you realized that you thought I'm a leader. So why would someone being a man make them a better leader than me? I think that makes sense. And I think our, our listeners that have strong personalities, like they probably are great leaders. And I think that's probably something that they're wrestling with. Um, Like why would me just being a female automatically mean I'm not a leader when I know that I am. Um, So I'm really grateful that you shared that. I I think our listeners probably relate with that. You know, I'm curious back to um, my question about, did you talk about it ahead of time? I mean, was it something that was just kind of casual conversation or did you like, on a date one time to say, so what do you think about the roles in marriage? I mean, do you remember kind of how you talked about it? Cause I'm sure there's some girls out there who are thinking, man, I'd like to bring this up with my boyfriend. What would, what needs to take place? What should I say? You know, we talked about, we don't have a specific memory of when along the way that it was brought up, but um, I mean, I think that a, a conversation about this topic would be would be beneficial you know it's great to get on the same page and that is why also having some mentors you know people who can help guide the conversation I think that's really valuable to have people who are kind of circled around you as a couple to kind of you know just help everybody be on the same page with something like this. Sean and I've done a lot of uh, pre-marriage counseling and we've also done a lot of pre- uh, engagement counseling. And, you know, I mentioned this in my book because it's kind of a new thing, this pre-engagement counseling, but it's kind of like what you were saying, Becca, it's when a couple knows, Hey, we're exploring the idea of marriage. Let's invite in some older, at least one older couple and just see what their thoughts are about our relationship. And it seems like that's really a good time to kind of talk through some of these deeper things like, you know, what is your view of, you know, what the roles are in marriage and how do you feel about headship and submission? So I'm glad you mentioned that about mentoring. You know, in the last episode that we talked about, I shared this framework of in submission you know, I'm kind of a visual person, so I tried to explain it as best I could on an audio in audio format. But on one end of a, a line, you've got a doormat, and on one end of the line, you've got a pair of pants, and you've got lots of room in the middle. And I asked our listeners to consider that biblical submission was not being a doormat. And it was also not wearing the pants and that there was a sweet spot in the middle. And I shared that my personality, because I don't like to make decisions and because I'm kind of a go with the flow person, I probably lean more toward 
the doormat side. I'm not saying I'm a doormat because I know that's wrong, but I kind of lean that way. And so with everything that you've shared, Becca, I think you kind of lean more toward the pants. Am I right? Yes, yes. That would be on that spectrum. You know, I can picture that that line that you're talking about. Like, and um, yes, that would be the end of the spectrum that I'm coming in on. And I, I loved that illustration, Kim. Like you guys just did really such a wonderful job in that episode, kind of laying it out and talking about, you know, the definition of submission, talking about yielding and cooperating. So I really hope that everyone does go back and listen to that. It'll give us a lot of a lot of context. And yes, so also kind of referencing back to that that episode, Kim, it was so interesting to hear you talk about that in you and Sean's 25 years of marriage, kind of that yielding on decision making, that actual kind of, you know, submission in marriage. It, it has only happened a few times because really we're we're the same. So, you know, we've been married 10 years and we make the majority of our decisions as a team, like as a marriage team. And there, when I reflect back, there really has only been one time and then almost another time when I needed to specifically yield to a decision Rob was making for our family. So I was going to try to kind of il- illustrate, just kind of yeah, talk about please what those were. Give us, yeah, give us some insights into all of that from your angle. Yes. So, okay. So for the the first one, we were making a career decision early on in our marriage. And in our particular circumstances, our plan was for Rob to continue to work while I was going to stay at home with our kids. And I know everyone has different circumstances with their job. And um, so that was just our particular circumstances. That was our plan. And so Rob had three options for his career. It was either overseas missions. It was doing ministry stateside and going into the military as a pilot. So um, we we talked really extensively through those options. And I, of course, gave all of my thoughts and opinions. Um, and I really did favor some options more than others. But then basically got to a point where I ultimately felt like I wanted to yield to a neutral spot and kind of let Rob make this decision for us. Like I felt like that is what God wanted me to do. And so kind of in that instance, it was kind of proactive submission. So then the other instance, I was almost nine months pregnant. So like literally about to have our second baby. And I won't go into kind of everything, but basically at the very last minute, I was wanting to dramatically change our birth plan, like change our doctor, change our location. I was sort of like self-destructing basically and was very emotional and it was potentially becoming um, a safety issue. So Rob told me afterwards that he was thinking and praying through needing to step up and say, Hey, I understand everything that you're feeling and going through, but as the leader of our family, I think we need to go ahead with the birth plan that we've made. So, so we didn't reach that point. And that's why I said almost, Um, So he basically talked me through all of that emotion and we went ahead with our plan. And and I respect that he didn't use his role, like his headship in our marriage as leverage in that emotional situation to kind of get what he wanted. You know, he was more discerning. He was like, let's, let's see how this goes and see if I need to make this decision for us. And so I, I really very much resonated with Kim and Adrian in the previous episode saying that the husband really does have the more difficult job. I think both roles have their difficult difficulties, but leadership comes with responsibility. 
And if Rob leads us the wrong way, you know, that's, that's on him. And it's kind of between him and God. And I love that. It's a weight off of me. And I feel great that Rob is, he's going to pray and ask God and read the Bible and submit to the men in his life at church and in our, in our small group. So, um, you know, I've just trusted him in our life to make those decisions for us. And, and it's a heart posture, you know, submission and parent in marriage is a heart posture, but the actual instances of kind of this yielding have been few and far between for us. It is interesting that Kim, for you and Sean, you're on more of, you lean towards more of the doormat and Sean is on the other end. And then Becca, you and Rob, y'all are kind of the flip-flop, but yet you both have only had to yield. It sounds like once. Or for you, Kim, maybe one more time. Yeah, it, well, um, it was a, I think that's like a handful of times. But we've been married twenty five years. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've had a, you've had a few more few more years under the we've belt, so maybe more there's years. more submission coming for, for yes, more yielding yes, coming for Becca. Well, I mean, there's just lots in life. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting that your different personality types didn't necessarily determine the amount of times you've had to yield. I think that's interesting. And Becca, going back to the, so one situation where you really had to yield to Rob as a strong personality, was it hard for you to reach that neutral place? Do you feel like it would have been easier if you were more leaned, leaned more towards the doormat? Like if you're talking to yourself or other strong female personalities listening, that are like, how do I get to a neutral spot? I've never been in a, in a neutral spot. I've always had an opinion. Do you feel like that was hard for you or what helped you do that? Yeah, it, w- it was hard. I mean, it was a journey, but it really did kind of, again, go back to like my relationship with God, if that makes sense. You know, it was like, I I know that this is ultimately what God asks of me and I know he loves me. And so I can, I can. And, um, and I just also felt like Rob really listened and he really understood what was at stake. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a journey. But, um, you know, it it was good. I felt like I had done what I was what I was supposed to do. What do you guys think have been the benefits of being really clear on these roles in your marriage? Yeah, I think the biggest benefit uh, has just been the unity that we've had in this area in our marriage. And so as a result of that, there hasn't been this constant power struggle playing out in our house. You know, both of us understand and, and embrace the roles that God has given to us, which has led to, I would say, an overall harmony in this area. Even when we're having disagreements about something or I'm being too indecisive and passive or when Becca's coming on strong with a specific opinion, in those moments, I I still never feel like Becca is threatening or undermining or usurping my leadership, even when we're having those disagreements. And and I feel like that frees me up to step into my role as the leader of our family. And, And also it challenges me. I mean, the fact that she's saying, hey, Rob, you are my leader and I'm going to willingly submit myself to your leadership that's challenging to me. That makes me feel the weight of it even more because I know that her and our kids are counting on me to lead well. Yeah, it is just really nice to have a plan. It's a great benefit. Yeah, I've we've experienced that too in our marriage. It's kind of like, I mean, there have been times where I've said to Sean, it's like, you know what, babe, these are my thoughts, but I trust your decision on this. But just as a reminder, you know, God's going to hold me accountable for how I responded to your leadership, but he's going to hold you accountable for making the best decision. (laughs) 
That's good. Nice, Kim. That's a good Yeah, I know. Thanks, thanks. But he, you know, he's expressed that same idea. It's like, you know, when they feels that weight, you know, it just pushes him closer to God because he really does want to make the best decision for our family. Rob, what has made you feel respected and empowered by Becca as the leader of your family? Yeah, I think that that career uh, decision that she referred to earlier was one example, but even another one on a related note, uh, about a year and a half ago, I decided I wanted to leave my corporate engineering job and strike out on my own with my own my own business. And and uh, Becca was super supportive of that decision and, and definitely empowering. I mean, she was probably more convinced that we should take that leap than even I was. And so in some ways, she showed that she might she, she might trust my judgment more than I even do at times. And so I, I feel like that uh, that allows me to feel confident I can step into my role as the leader of our family because of her belief in me and because of her acceptance of that role that, that God has given both to her and to me. Becca, well done. Rob, I think it's cool that as a laid back guy, you really were attracted to Becca's strength and that now you view her strength as something that empowers you. Because I talk to some girls with strong personalities that are just worried that they're like, am I too strong? Like, are guys not going to like me because my personality is just too strong? And so now to hear in your marriage that you view being married to a strong woman as an empowering thing for you as a leader, I think is probably encouraging to some of our strong single listeners that the right kind of guy is going to be empowered by a girl like them, really building them up and believing in them. Yeah, yeah, that's great. They say opposites attract. And I think it's it's true. And marriage, God designed marriage for us to complement each other, you know, that it is a, a harmony. We're not both exactly the same. And that makes both of us better and both of us stronger. And it makes our marriage overall um, just the best that it can be because we're both bringing something unique to the table. Oh, I love it. And Becca, well done. What has Rob done that has made you feel valued and respected in your marriage? So I, I love that Rob really weighs decisions and he, he listens to my thoughts and opinions and he has, he's changed his mind based on my advice and he really does want my thoughts and advice and perspective and opinions. And I, you know, I have them, I have them and we'll offer them and, but he does a great job listening to me, which makes me feel really valued. Well done, Rob. It works. It really works when you live in harmony with each other. It just, I love it. Yeah. For our strong single listeners, it's going to be important for you to marry a man that really listens to you because that would be really, really hard if he wasn't really weighing your advice. And so I love that about Rob, that he does that. Do you guys have any advice for our single listeners who have strong personalities? Is there anything you would say to them directly? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would say to to somebody who who fits that description would be that submission is not a sign of weakness. And submission doesn't mean that you are you are less than your husband in in any way. And and even though the Bible does specifically call for the wife to submit to her own husband, the the practice of submission is not something that God only calls wives to do. All Christians, men and women, are called to submit to various people in, in various ways. And, and as Becca mentioned earlier, even Jesus practiced submission. So all of us are called to, to submit to our pastors and other spiritual mentors that God's placed in our lives, to the coaches of our sports teams, to the president of our sorority or our fraternity, to our employer, to our professors, to, to government authorities, you know, all these different people. And then finally, and most importantly, we're called to submit to Jesus, all of us. And, and although our submission to those various people will look different for each relationship. The the underlying principle of submission is the same. And, and 
something that all Christians are called to. And so there's nothing inherently degrading or weak about submission. And, and honestly, it's, it's kind of tough to talk about this topic to such a broad audience because there's people all over the spectrum as far as their, their natural personalities. And so my advice to somebody who, who naturally leans more towards the doormat personality would be different than my advice to someone who naturally leans more towards the, the pants personality. Um, but at the same time, for both those groups, there, there's that sweet spot that Kim talked about um, in the middle, which, which is biblical submission. And, and that sweet spot, it's kind of hard to, to define or to describe because it actually takes elements of both of those ends of the spectrum and actually integrates or combines them together. And I was trying to think of like a phrase to give your listeners, which would help paint that picture of biblical submission. And, and here's what I came up with. You guys can let me know what you think about this. I believe that biblical submission looks like assertive yielding, which oh. I recognize somewhat of a paradox, but it's a true paradox. You know, biblical submission is assertive yielding. And so if you lean more towards being kind of a doormat type personality, then my advice, our advice would be to be more assertive, you know, to give your thoughts and advice and opinion you're, because your husband needs your input. If he just makes all the decisions based solely on what he thinks, that's a recipe for disaster for your decisions and also for resentment on your part. And, and then on the other hand, if you lean towards being more of a pants type personality, then our advice would be to be more yielding. You know, don't, don't always try to force or manipulate your husband into going with what you think is right. Listen to his perspective. Um, you know, make if, because if you make all the decisions in your marriage just based on what you think, then that's also a recipe for disaster for your decisions and for resentment on his part. Yeah, like give him space to lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no matter which end of the spectrum you're coming from, um, I really believe that that idea of assertive yielding describes that that sweet spot or that sweet area in the middle that everybody could be striving towards. I love it, Rob. Assertive yielding. I think you just hit the sweet spot. Just It's hard to describe, but I know it's somewhere in the middle, but I really like how you define that. So thank you for taking your engineering mind and kind of assembling that together. Yeah, I love that advice for our um, less strong personalities too, Rob, that they, they really do need to give their advice because they're not they're, like their marriage could be stronger and they could make better decisions if they offered their advice and then work together to make a decision. So I think that's awesome. So how can our strong female listeners start thinking through submission in a way that will benefit them before they get married? Because I know as, you know, as a single woman, like, you know, there's no guys in my life that I'm called to submit to um, necessarily. And so, you know, for someone in my position, how can we start thinking through that before we get married? Yeah, I, I think it's hard for strong personalities to get good personal feedback until unless something kind of like really explodes in their face, you know, from that's like from my own personal experience. So if you have a stronger type personality, you sometimes don't get the benefit of people being honest with you about how you made them feel until you make someone like really upset. And, you know, you don't you don't want that. So I would just try to communicate your strong opinions, like have strong opinions, but, you know, communicate them in a more gentle way, like give people room to say what they think also, and you will gain valuable insight. I've developed kind of more of this healthy second guessing of myself and asking for advice because developing in the Christ-like qualities of humility and gentleness, it will help cultivate your heart towards submission later. That is great advice, Becca, that as a strong personality, as a single person, we can work on that in our friendships. 
we can work on circling back to people. We can work on asking if they would have us say things in a different way. And that cultivates our hearts towards submission even before we get married. So thank goodness for friendships. Rob and Becca, is there anything you guys would like to add that we haven't talked about that you're just like, ooh, got to make sure we get this in? Yeah, I, I, I think I can think of, of one thing in particular. Um, I mean, as, as you all referenced at the beginning of the show and, and last week as well, I mean, we recognize that this is a, a sensitive topic in our culture. And so I just want to you know, make sure to say that, that basically the, the abuse of a principle does not negate the principle itself. So you may have had experiences or seen examples of men abusing and distorting the biblical meaning of headship. But just because that person did it wrong doesn't mean that there's no such thing as doing it right. God truly, he does have our best interests in mind. And, and I, in John 10, 10, when Jesus said that he came, that we may have life and have it abundantly, that that applies to, to this particular topic, that God, he wants us to have incredible and fun and harmonious and life-giving marriages. And, and his instructions on headship and submission are given to us because he loves us, because he wants the best for each one of us and for, and for our marriages. Yes, we, we really do love that God outlined this in the Bible. Like God, I just really am amazed at his wisdom, his creativity. And, you know, there's obviously hard parts of it for both spouses, but it is it is wonderful to have this framework to help guide our family in this life and in this world. Well, Rob, listening to how much you value strong women and, and love the strong woman in your life, I bet a lot of strong ladies out there are wondering, how can I meet my Rob? So what would your advice to them be? Um. Well, if, if your listeners are asking that question, I hope it's because they, you know, they do have this desire that they want to marry a, a godly man. They want to have a, a, a great marriage and, and marry somebody with strong character who's who's trustworthy and kind and maybe funny or smart or musical or athletic or whatever you're whatever they are particularly into. Uh, and so my advice to, to find that type of guy might sound a little bit cryptic at first, but but bear with me. So so here's my advice. Before you even start dating someone. You need to become the type of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Or to be more specific for this audience, you need to become the type of woman that the man you're looking for is looking for. Because dating, it's a two-way street, right? It's, it's not enough just for you to decide that you want to date somebody with high character, but then you don't have strong character yourself. Because if the person that you're interested in actually does have strong character, then they will absolutely not be interested in dating or marrying you unless you have strong character as well. And so you have to become the type of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. So so don't spend all of your time and effort trying to find the right person. Spend some of your time and energy now trying to become the right type of person. And and once that's true, once that's true in your life, then there's there's another piece of the puzzle. And and I'll use a fishing analogy to help illustrate uh, illustrate this one. Oh, so, fishing, fishing. Yeah, you know, I know like what all the ladies out there the love, are, like, love like 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 with fish and worms and <laughs> that kind. Okay, of, yeah, we're with you. So this past summer, I took a camping up in Colorado, and it was incredible. Um, and one of my main goals on this trip was to catch and cook, or sorry, catch and clean and cook and eat at least one rainbow trout, which is a, a type of fish that lives up in Colorado. Leah, you could probably do that. Eh, yeah. I don't know. Actually, I think maybe I could now. I, I've changed a lot since I've moved to Wyoming. So yeah, maybe. So luckily I was able to catch not just one, but eight of those fish. And and let me tell you, they were delicious. Um, but here's the thing about, about fishing and, and the point of this analogy. 
if you're trying to catch a specific type of fish, you have to be fishing in the right pond and with the right bait. So if I'm trying to catch rainbow trout, I can't just go fishing in the nasty, muddy drainage pond on my grandparents' farm. You know, you, you can't find rainbow trout there. They like cold, that makes clear, sense. clean water. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to be fishing in the right pond and you also have to be fishing with the right bait. You know, even if I'm fishing in a pond that's loaded with rainbow trout, if I'm using a bait that they're not interested in, I'm, I'm never going to catch one. And so if you are trying to marry a godly man, you need to be putting yourself in situations where you're going to be rubbing shoulders with godly men. And, and so you should ask yourself, you know, what environments am I spending most of my time in? And, and is that a place where I'm likely to find some godly men? Yeah, I think this is it is why it is so important to be uh, committing to be a part of a, a godly church. You know, maybe it's your campus ministry. You know, those are the type of people who are going to support you becoming the the type of person that you want to be, you know, a Christ-like woman. And that is where you're going to rub shoulders with these types of guys. And so it, we we just really strongly believe that it's 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 very important to commit to be a part of a community Um who is going to uplift that. And that's where you're going to network, you know, with mentors who can know people and, you know, so go be a part of a biblical church with a young professional group or that campus ministry. And, and that is just going to be the right place to meet people. Yeah. So you gotta be, you gotta be fishing in the right pond. And then you also have to be fishing with the right bait and, and the bait that's, that's going to be attractive to godly men who are swimming around out there um, are there's some of the things that we've already mentioned, you know, having high character, being wise with your words, being responsible and modest and kind and content. And so it's healthy to ask yourself and to be honest with yourself, what type of bait am I using to attract guys? And, and is that bait likely to attract the type of guy that I really want to marry? I think a lot of, you know, a lot of girls, it's like the, the bait probably, you know, is our, our beauty, you know, but just the beauty, beauty, it's fading. We can't maintain it, you know, just, and so, yeah, I think that's a great, a great self-reflective question. Woo, this is some good stuff, you guys, packed with wisdom and insights. So thank you so much for sharing. Man, I hate it, but we're going to have to wrap things up here. But, you know, I don't even know how to sum all this up. I just... I think the best way to do it is just to say, you know, God designed marriage. He designed uh, love and he knows how it works best. And even though sometimes his directives don't make sense to us, I think we are wise if we trust him and follow what he says. Because when a husband is submitting himself to God and serving and loving his family, and if the wife is submissive to God and is um, is a team player and wants to yield and support um, the leadership of her husband, that's when things really work well. Yeah, and I think I'd just like to recap for our strong female listeners that submission does not make you weak, that there are things that you can work on to grow your heart for submission and singleness. And there are Robs out there. There are Robs that are godly men that will value your strength and want you to bring your strength into a marriage. And so all of that was really encouraging for me to hear. Rob, would you, would you mind praying for our listeners before we go? Yeah, I'd be happy to. God, first, uh, we just are thankful that you have a plan uh, for, for, each one of our lives and you have a plan for marriage that's that's going to lead to us experiencing life and life abundantly. Um, so I just want to pray for all the all the young women listening to this podcast that um, 
that you would help show them um, what submission is, what it isn't, uh, how you want it to apply to them now, and then also to them if you um, if you lead them into a marriage in the future. And so, um, God, we just pray that you would take the words that that we've discussed today, and and that you would just clarify them in the hearts and minds of everyone listening, and and that this would really benefit um, the the marriages that. Uh, they're in or that are still to come for them. And so, um, God, we do trust you. We do know that that you have our best interest in mind. And so um, we're grateful for the privilege to to get to to follow you and to get to um, love each other and, and experience life together. So I thank you for this time. And I just pray the best for everyone listening. Amen. Amen. Robin Becca, thanks for hanging out in your car and getting a babysitter and joining <laughs> us. We appreciate it. Leah, it's so fun to watch you interact with Becca, your sister. And uh, but to our listeners, thanks so much for making time for us. I know this episode ran a little longer than normal, but it just was so good. And it's just a conversation I feel like that we need to have. So thank you for sticking with us. And um, we hope you'll join us again next week because we still have a lot to talk about. <laughs>